0: started talking about decisions, making destiny decisions, we had three strategies from God for you. Number one, before the decision, get all the information that you can. Gather information, because you cannot make good decisions with poor information. Number two, we talked about repenting of the sins in your life and bringing God into the decision. Why is that important? Because when you have sin that you have not repented of, a lot of times we hide from God And we don't go to God with every decision and every important issue in our life. But when you come into repentance and you practice the discipline of repentance as a Christian, which incidentally ought to be daily, then you can bring God into any decision and you can have his help and his guidance through the process of it. Then number three, we talked about trusting in the grace of God to pull you out of the net of bad decisions. You remember that scripture in Psalms? David says, my eyes will always look to the Lord for he has plucked my feet out of the net of my bad decisions and choices. How many know God will pluck your feet out of the net? How many been in a situation that it was a terrible thing and it was your own causing and yet God delivered you anyway simply by his grace? David said, I'm always going to look to you, God, because continually all through my life I've seen you pull my feet out of the net of my bad choices. Then last week, we talked about finishing grace. The strategies that God gave us, number one, was to finish in phases. Don't try to accomplish everything all at one time. Break it up into phases and finish in phases. Point number two, this was my favorite, celebrate the completion of each phase. Don't allow your life to go through a protracted amount of time and you accomplish something and not stop and celebrate the accomplishment. When God does something for you, even if it's a little thing, a small thing, you ought to stop and mark that moment by celebrating. When God heals you, I don't care if he just heals you of a headache. When you got a headache and you prayed about it and that headache gets healed, you ought to stop. You ought to celebrate what happened. You ought to celebrate the things in your life. Life has enough misery, life has enough negativity, and you don't have to schedule either one of those. They'll just come and knock on your door and say, hi, I'm gonna sit with you the next six months. You have to schedule positivity. You have to schedule celebration. You have to celebrate the good things in your life and the good people. Look at somebody say, I celebrate you. And today, I want to continue in this line of discussion and speak to you about transformation. Everybody say transformation. Transformation. This time, clear your throat. (coughs) (coughs) And say it like a church. Say "Transformation." transformation. Now, transformation is important because once you've decided to make a change, And you have resolved to finish it. You must transform or you won't be able to maintain the new decision that you've made. How do I transform? When the scripture speaks about transformation in Romans 12, it speaks about it concerning renewing your mind. That is to say that any change you want to see in your life will first happen in your mind. It doesn't matter what it is. Weight loss (laughs) happens in your mind first. Whether you're overcoming substance abuse problems, it's going to have to happen in your mind first. If it's relational health goals or financial health goals, goals for your business, it's got to happen in your mind first. The change happens first in your mind. The scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And the reality is this message is for everybody because we all need transformation in one area or another in our lives. Whether you're trying to overcome guilt or negative thinking or racism or anger, it doesn't matter where the change is needed. We all are in need of change somewhere. And there are those that are seeking transformation in their physical bodies. There's a thinner person down on the inside of you screaming, trying to get out. And it makes, it makes no difference what you're aiming at. All transformation starts in the mind. There are others that are seeking spiritual transformation. Did you know that you can be saved and going to heaven and still be in need of a spiritual transformation? Look back at Romans one, or Romans 12, verse one. He says, therefore I urge you, notice this language, brothers and sisters. He's talking to the church in Rome, to the believers that attend that church. He's not talking to lost people. He's not talking to people that are are outside of the faith. He's talking to Christians. And yet he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Then he says in verse two, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Then he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Just because you give your heart to Jesus doesn't mean you get zapped and instantly lose all your negative tendencies. Oh, I wish that were the case. I wish you could come down to an altar, get prayed for and leave all the negative stuff you've ever thought for 29 and a half years, and it never affect you again. But that is not the case. Paul's saying, "Hey, God's done a work. That work is salvation. You wouldn't even be brothers and sisters, or you wouldn't have been adopted into the family of God if God didn't do a work. God has done a work. He saved you. But now you got to do a work, and your work is renewing your mind. So this work is changing our thinking. And if you don't do this, you won't be able to manage new choices because your mind will fight the choice that your spirit decided. Many of us have been receiving instinct deep in our spirit. I need to make a change. I need to shift that. That's not on the right trajectory. I need to adjust that. I need to change that. And we receive the instinct deep on the inside that we need to make the change. And we agree with it. We decide to do it. But as soon as you make that decision, your mind will start fighting the decision that you just made. And the easiest way I can explain this to you, we've all done it. We have all at one time or another, most of us have gone on a diet. Because you got an instinct deep on the inside. I need to make some changes. There's some stuff going on. I need to get healthier. I want to do this. I want to do that. You made the deep instinctive feeling made you make that decision. But then as soon as you start that diet, your mind starts fighting the decision that your spirit just made. And so the mind must be recalibrated, renewed, lest you live in a cycle of failure. Stay with the diet analogy. You had three good days on your diet. You didn't eat no carbs. No sugar, no donuts. And long about midnight on that fourth day. <laughs> and not only did you just eat, you, you went to town eating. <laughs> just removed all the progress you made. And, and you keep on, you keep on feeling that instinct and making that decision. But then your mind fights it. And you take two steps back. And then you go forward with it, and then you take steps back. And you go forward with it, and you're living in a cycle of failure because you have the instinct that a change is needed, but you are not ready for the warfare that comes in your mind that fights the change. So the question is, what are you going to do with the life you've got left? What are you going to do with the new opportunities God has for you? What are you going to do with the new open doors God has for you? What are you going to do with the new people God has for you? Will you drag them back to the ghetto of old, stinking thinking? Or will you have the courage to change the landscape and renew your mind? Some of our paradigms, when I say paradigms, I mean the lenses we look through to see the world, the way we think. Some of our paradigms are in desperate need of a shift. Because many of us are trying to reach for the new that God has for us with our hands still holding the garbage of our old life. And what we really need is we need to visit a dumping ground. We need to find a place where we can dump the garbage and the baggage of our mistakes and our failures and our losses and our negative paradigms that have formed over years and all of the things that have happened to us. We need to find a place where we can dump the old so that we can give the new things God has coming for our lives a place to thrive and live. So number one, step to take your next step to transformation. Number one, we need to bury our past in the work of Christ's cross. Bury your past in the work of Christ's cross. Some people feel so guilty over their past mistakes that subconsciously their mindset resists success because deep inside they don't feel like they really deserve it deep inside they feel so guilty and so full of shame, they don't believe they deserve a healthy relationship. They believe they deserve a toxic relationship. So any healthy relationship that comes in their path, they reject it, they toss it away, they barricade it up. Because deep inside they have a paradigm, like a magnet that draws them to dysfunction. And the real underlying reason is, They don't feel worthy of a healthy relationship. They don't feel worthy of love. And these are people who subconsciously sabotage new opportunities because they're punishing themselves for past mistakes. But these people do not understand deep in their mind. They may have heard the message a thousand times, but they do not understand deep in their mind that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he went to the cross with your past on him as well. Look at Colossians <clears> 2.14. Look at what Colossians 2.14 says. I'm going to wait on I because I want you to see it. He says, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. Look at what Jesus did. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That means every sin you've ever committed, no matter how dark, no matter how wrong, when you accepted Jesus Christ, your sin, your past, your mistakes were nailed to the cross with Jesus. Then the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, look at this one. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Look at it. The old has gone. The new is here. Now, one of the things that inhibits us from understanding those two verses is we understand logically that Jesus died for our sins. What we don't realize is every time you commit a sin, a paradigm is more more deeply entrenched in your mind. See, you don't sin without a mindset with the sin in it. The sin begins in the mind. So you can be 20 years separated from the sin, but still be haunted by the mindset and the paradigm you were in when you committed the sin. But what he's saying here, is that not only did Jesus nail our past mistakes and sins and failures to the cross, but he gave us the ability to nail the paradigms and the old mindsets to the cross as well. That's why he didn't just say, he that is in Christ is forgiven. He said, he that is in Christ has a new creation on their hands, the new creation has come. The new sense of being has come. The new sense of thinking has come. Romans 8, 1. Look at this scripture. It's amazing. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, this is not true of the world. People will judge you for the things you do the rest of your life. But when it comes to the way God sees you, when it comes to the way God values you, when it comes to the way God looks at you concerning judgment, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the scripture says there is no judgment, there is no condemnation. So if God doesn't condemn you, why would you allow your mind to condemn your own self? Romans 6.3, final verse. Romans 6.3, final verse for this point. He says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ, our Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? In other words, the, the wages, according to Romans 3, the wages or the punishment of sin is death. So God took all of your sin, and baptized it submerged it down into put it into Jesus Christ and then he died which means when he died all of the punishment all of the debt all of the judgment that would ever need to be recompensed back to God for what you did was completely settled in him the old folks had it right Jesus paid it all all. There's no more debt to pay. So why would you self-sabotage yourself financially and in relationships and in business and in walking around with your head down and no confidence with a defeated mindset because you feel so shameful and guilty over what has happened in the past when Jesus shed his life's blood to make you free spiritually, free legally toward God, and free in your mind? I'm telling you that Jesus suffered and died not only to forgive your sins, but to give you a burial ground to bury negative mindsets that are able to pollute your future if you don't get them out. Look at somebody and say, bury the past with him. Now, as you begin to evict negative mindsets to bury them, I want you to take notice because you will encounter an initial confrontation between the new mindset that's coming in and the old mindset you're evicting. This will cause a season of tension in your mind between the new and the old. It'll cause a tension between what you have been and what you are becoming. In uh, the late 80s, early 90s, (laughs) our church was a classic Pentecostal church. World of Pentecost. (laughs) And at the World of Pentecost, according with the nationwide, really worldwide, global standards of the Pentecostal church, you couldn't come in here and worship if you were a lady, if you had makeup on or earrings on. If you were a man, you couldn't wear no facial hair or you couldn't wear a short-sleeved shirt to church. Uh, you couldn't have a TV in your house. And thankfully, the Lord gave Bishop a revelation that that, that was not, you know, and, and he, he, listen, listen, he set the church down. He set the church down. He said, listen, we're transitioning out of this. God, God is taking us higher. And you would be shocked at the fight that happened within the church. Because God started sending new in. And when the new came in, the old confronted it. So you had old church mothers that would not sit in this section right here. Because there was one lady with some pants and some earrings on. You had brothers in the church going up to young brothers that were coming in with with short sleeves and tattoos. And we were so happy to see them. And these brothers from the old church, they were coming in saying, brother, you need to get those tattoos removed. You need to get your sleeves on. And they started telling them, you're not saved. You're going to hell because you got short sleeves on. You need to shave that beard, brother. What was happening? The old was confronting the new. And it literally took spiritual warfare to change that. And obviously, there were a lot of casualties. (laughs) When you're changing your mindset, you can't get around it. Something will die. Either the old or the new. You have to choose. It doesn't matter what you're talking about changing. When you change anything, something's going to have to die. Either the past or the future. Either the now or the next. You can't keep both alive. Which brings me to point number two. Mindsets cannot be removed. They must be replaced. That's worth you getting in your car and coming to church this morning, that one point. Mindsets cannot be removed. They must be replaced. Replaced. Look at Matthew 12, 43. Matthew 12, 43. Look at it. Matthew 12, 43. Jesus is teaching here. He says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Next verse. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, put in order. Next verse. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Now, what Jesus is teaching here is the law of displacement. And the law of displacement is true when you're talking about evil spirits. And it's true when you're talking about mindsets. You cannot simply remove a mindset. You have to replace it because your mind is a vacuum. It will be filled with something. The question is, will it be filled with the new or will it be filled with the old? And as you're going through this process of renewing your mind, you will find that old things try to cling to the corners of your mind like cobwebs in the corners of your house. There was a a highly decorated German Shepherd police dog. I have a special affinity for German Shepherds. And there was a highly decorated uh, German Shepherd police dog, and they didn't know it. She was pregnant with puppies. And during she was on duty, and she got run over by someone fleeing the scene, and her back legs were permanently disabled. She went, she went on and had the puppies and everything was fine. But her handlers noticed that um, after a couple of months, the puppies were all walking on their front legs and dragging their hind legs behind them. So they took them to the doctor, inspected everything, and what they realized was there was nothing wrong with the puppies' legs. They were just walking like the one that taught them. When God starts introducing new mindsets and new things to you, you have to brace yourself. Because unfortunately, a lot of our teachers that taught us things were teaching with broken legs. They were teaching from a place of brokenness. They were teaching from a broken environment. They were teaching us how to get along with people when they had a brokenness in getting along with people. They were teaching us how to budget and do a checkbook when they couldn't hardly do one themselves. And because they were teaching from a place of brokenness, we who are healthy are now walking with a limp that is not legitimate. We're just living out the lesson of a broken teacher. And I wanna tell some of you, you need to prepare yourself because God's getting ready to challenge you in areas where you think you are crippled. And the reality is your legs work just fine. You were just taught by broken teachers. And God said, I love you too much to leave you in that fake state of brokenness. So I'm going to call you higher. I'm going to challenge you to do more. I'm going to challenge you to step out. I'm going to put stuff in your way that scares you, that you don't think you can do. But if you'll try that muscle, if you'll try to take those steps, you will not fail. You are not not broken oh I don't know who it's for you will not fail you are not broken oh I don't know who it's for you will not fail you are not broken and I got a prophetic word for somebody just because it didn't work for your teacher does not mean it won't work for you Just because it didn't work for your mama does not mean it won't work for you. Just because it didn't work for all of your relatives does not mean that it will not work for you. You've got the strength in you. God made you with everything that you need. You just need to have the courage to say, there ain't nothing wrong with my legs, and move into your future. If you believe it, shout and give God a praise. Say, stop dragging your legs. No, push them with an attitude. Say, stop dragging your legs. Ah, yeah. Stop dragging your legs. And stop resisting challenges that call you toward your potential. Stop treating everybody that challenges you like they have insulted you. Because when God is getting to really change you, one of the vehicles he will use is he will bring people into your life to challenge you. They are not there to patty cake with you. They're not there to rub your ego. They are not there to make you feel better about yourself. They are there to look at you and see the God-given potential and challenge you to rise to a level that you have not previously made the ascent to. This ain't nothing wrong with your legs. Oh, tell them again, ain't nothing wrong with your legs. It's your season to run. It's your season to run. It's not the season for you to be idle. It's not the season for you to be lazy. It's not the season for you to quit. It's not the season for you to walk. It's the season for you to run. What are you going to do with the rest that you've got left? I'm going to run. Nothing wrong with
1: your (laughs) legs.
0: The enemy has been lying to you, telling you that you're broken in that area. Listen, because he's scared to death if you ever try it. scared to death if you ever exercised in that thing that you've been told all your life doesn't work for you. Ain't nothing wrong with your legs. Point number three, give yourself permission to transform. we will say it again. Give yourself the permission to transform. What's that mean? It means to stop looking at your present as if it were the destination. We talk all the time in church about how important it is not to focus on the past. I'm telling you it's equally important not to focus on the present. Because where you are now is not where you're going to end up. You're depressed because you've got all your focus and all your energy looking at where you are, instead of considering the possibilities in the future, if you would make a couple of simple transformative steps. I'm not saying turn a blind eye to where you are. I'm saying don't put all of your focus on where you are as if this was the destination. I don't know about you, I don't want this, I want better, I want more, I want brighter, I want happier, I want more joy, I want more peace, I want more than I've got right now. So if that's the case for you, you can't put all of your effort into the way the marriage is now. Put some of the focus and the effort and the energy on what it could be if you and that joker would take a couple of transformative steps. upset about what your bank account is now instead of putting some of that energy and focus into what it could be if you would make a couple simple transformative steps all upset about where your kids are now instead of focusing on the future that can be if the family would make some simple transformative steps give yourself the permission to transform Leave yourself some room and some mental energy for transformation. And a lot of times the, the reality is the bank account of mental energy is totally drained by the time you get through focusing on your past and focusing on your present. You ain't got no time to dream about the future. You ain't got no energy to put towards the future because you are sap because you're spending all of your energy on the past and the present. Not giving yourself the permission to transform. And finally, be on guard as you start this transformation. Be on guard as you start this change. Because when you start to change and transform, it will attract the hate of the circle of people around you. Because yes, 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 for whatever reason, yeah. when people see you changing, when people see you transforming, yeah. your transformation provokes them in the areas that they have not changed or transformed. So they take out their inner frustration on what they hadn't done with their life and they take it out on you but you gotta have the courage to feel that fire and stand anyway. In fact, you may want to announce to your circle, I'm changing, I'm making these changes. If you don't like it, you can leave the circle, but I know what God has called me to do. I know I'm destined to live on a higher level than I am living on. I am going to make these changes. I love you, I wish you could change with me, but if you don't stay right where you are, I am going to another And that brings me, that brings me to back to Mark chapter two, if you'll go there. Mark chapter two, verse 21. In summary, bury the past into the finished work of Christ's cross. Point number two, your mindsets cannot be removed, they must be replaced. Point number three, give yourself permission to transform. Mark chapter two, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. They've challenged him on why his disciples are behaving differently than their disciples. And Jesus responds to them, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth or new cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. You realize what he's saying? Jesus is saying that God's got new cloth. Cloth speaks to external blessing. God's got new wine. Wine speaks to internal blessing, but he's announcing to them that both the external blessing and the internal blessing are on pause, because I'm not sending it to an old mindset. I won't take new cloth and sew it on an old garment. I won't take new wine and pour it in an old wineskin. If you want the new that is next, you have to be willing to transform your mind. Some of you have reached the end. God, I feel this prophetically. Some of you have reached the absolute edge. Prophecy's not always encouraging. Don't throw nothing at me. It's real. Some of you have reached the edge of your blessing on this mindset. You've hit the wall of what you can expect on this level. And you're crying and praying and talking to God. And God's saying, I got new cloth. Outward material. I got new wine. Inward material. But I'm not pouring new blessing on an old level. Yeah, sir. If you want more. Then I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and pleasing, which is your reasonable service. And I submit that you be not conformed to this world, but that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when the mind is renewed, everything that's on pause in the heavenly realm, both in the material and in the immaterial on the inside, will begin to flood your life. But! You have to renew. Gotta renew your mind. Gotta renew your mind. The failure is not on God. God loves you so much that in order for you to graduate, he'll let you repeat the second grade 350,000 times. There are some things you are holding on to in the old mindset. And it's not so much that it's got a grip on you, you have got a grip on it. And God brought you here this morning to tell you if you want the next if you want the next, you got to replace the mindset. You got to replace the mindset. You've gone as far in your marriage as you can go with that mindset y'all have. You've gone as far in your finances as you can go with that mindset that you've had. You've gone as far as you can go with that mindset. And God loves you enough to not just keep patting you. Not just keep pacifying you while you stay on the same level. He loves you enough to hold the new out there. To hold the new garment, to hold the new wine out there and say, if you want it, come and take it. If you want your next, come and take it. If you want the next blessing, if you want the next advancement, if you want the next promotion, if you want the next revelation, if you want the next thing I have for you, then use your legs that ain't broken and make the changes that are necessary to renew your mind and level up. It's in you. You can do it, but you have to make the choice. God said, I've made a choice i've done a work i have saved you i have called you by my name i sent my son to die on the cross for you that's my work and it is finished but now i call to you to do a work present your bodies a living sacrifice unto god and be not conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing the renewing of your mind stand to your feet lift your hands and give the lord praise
1: As the deer panteth for the water doth my soul longeth after thee. You, O oh Lord, are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Lift your hands. As the deer panteth for water doth my soul longeth after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Oh, you alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone does my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship. You, Lord, you are worthy. And no one can worship you for me.
0: If you know it, sing, W, sing it. Hey.
1: For all the things you've done for me. Lift your hands up and worship. No one can worship you for me. Everybody say it one more time. You, Lord, are worthy. You. Put your hands high, sing for all the things. No one, no one. Come on, let's sing it together as a choir. Here's my worship. Here's my Father, receive my Come on, let's sing this part together. Hands up one more time. Say, I will not be silent. I will always. Come on, could you raise your voice a little louder? As long as I come on, let's sing it as a fellow.
0: Lord, we've praised you today, we have received your word, and we have worshiped you, and Lord, I ask that the seal of transformation be implanted in our hearts and minds. Lord, I ask you that you give us the grace to make the decisions for the changes we need to make in our lives. Lord, give us the finishing anointing, the finishing grace, and help us follow through and make the transformation to drive out the old and receive the new. Every person say this with me Lord Jesus, I receive the finished work of the cross I realize my past I realize my sin I realize my judgment was nailed to your cross I receive you today lead me and guide me in the transformations I need to make in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a great hand,
1: praise. Give the Lord a